Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast. Conversations with today's top ministry leaders to help you lead better every day. And now, here are your hosts, Ed Stetzer and Daniel Yang. Welcome to the Stetzer Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping Christian leaders lead and navigate through the cultural issues of our day. My name's Daniel Yang, the director of the Church Multiplication Institute, and today we're talking with Phil Vischer. Phil's an animator, writer, voice actor, and director known for co-creating VeggieTales, voicing dozens of its characters, including Bob the Tomato. In 2012, Phil and Sky Jatani launched the Holy Post podcast, which has since expanded to a diverse media resource, helping believers live faithfully in an increasingly post-Christian culture. And Ed's conversation with Phil went a little longer than normal, got a little animated in the second half, so we're splitting this thought-provoking conversation into two parts. We hope you'll join us next week for part two where Phil discusses his struggles with modern evangelicalism and explains why he engages with it the way he does. Now let's go to Ed Stetzer, the editor-in-chief of Outreach Magazine and the dean of the Talbot School of Theology. Phil Fisher, I told my I told my daughter that I was talking to, you know, and they all get all so excited. That one time you were on the radio with me and you did mm-hmm. a shout-out to my daughter. She actually tells all her friends that she had a shout out from Bob the Tomato, but but we're glad you're here. And and again, a lot of people know you for Holy Post, and we're going to get to that. But I want to kind of come back a little bit and kind of share people a little bit of your journey. I know you told the story lots, but maybe not not everyone in the world has heard this story. Maybe uh, not. And of course, and you, you wrote a book on your story too. I'll mention that in just a minute. But but talk to us a little bit about your journey. Most of us first got to know you in VeggieTales days, but tell us the journey. Yeah, starting where like. You know, birth. I was born in Muscatine, Iowa, at the Muscatine General Hospital. Let's let's fast forward. Let's fast forward okay. to that point, and let's start talking about as a young adult, you start getting into the, um, some of the the things you. Yeah, begin to I do was. Creative. I was always a creative kid. Um, I loved playing with cameras, and and I learned stop motion animation when I was like nine years old, and and just playing around. And I wanted to be a filmmaker, but I also grew up uh, in church. Uh, four generations Christian Missionary Alliance back on both sides of my family, going all the way back to my great-grandfather who sang at A.B. Simpson's funeral and was oh, wow. a good, good friend of his and was the first non-denominational radio preacher in America. In case you were keeping score, was my great-grandfather. Um, so I had this kind of amazing pedigreed evangelical legacy history that had a heavy focus on uh, what's the big thing you've done for the kingdom. You know, how much impact have you had for the kingdom? So I, I kind of grew up with this kingdom impact mindset. So when I was making films, because I didn't want to be a pastor or missionary, because I was a shy kid, I like to play with puppets and Legos and stop motion animation. Um, I finally settled on, I think the impact I could have for the kingdom is filmmaking. And I also like computers. You know, I was kind of the first generation of kids that had, uh, they were starting to put computer labs into high schools. They put a computer lab in my high school and you could actually take classes on computers. And that was very, very new. So I grew up with filmmaking and computers and ministry. And so wouldn't you know it, I made the first computer animated (laughs) ministry. Um, which of course was, was it like the first? Was that really the first? Well, it was the it was the first. I mean, the first VeggieTales video came out two years before Toy Story, so we oh, were wow. we were two years ahead of Pixar in terms of getting something into the market. Um, it was the first home video series that was ever computer animated. Fascinating. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah. And, and everyone, and, everyone had them. I mean, it was like, it was like every, every, what was, I know that you did some market study, like what percentage of American homes with children? Yeah. Had at one point, there was a survey that said one third of American homes where young children are present have purchased at least one VeggieTales video. Wow. And if you added yeah. up the number we had purchased, it would be a lot more than one. And by the way, Phil tells a lot of the story in uh, his book, me, myself and Bob, a true story about dreams, God, and talking vegetables. That's in 2008. And of course, yeah. you know, the podcast, you share bits and pieces of this sort yep. of along the way. Okay. So, but then it all kind of crash crashing down. Crash burn. So in the year 2000, I had uh, 210 employees working on VeggieTales. We were the largest animation studio in between the coasts. Um, and we'd just been named by Animation Magazine, one of 10 studios to watch in global animation. You know, And I'd just been named in a PBS special, one of 10 people to watch in worldwide religion. Wow. So you know, I was like, wow, how do you like that, great grandpa? Look at me. Look, Look at, at my you. impact. And uh, uh, two years later, we were in bankruptcy court because um, I'd overspent, I'd overexpanded, I'd tried to do too much, too fast, got, got out. There's a, there's a phrase, got out over your skis. Have you ever gotten out over your skis, Ed? I, I have. I'm, I'm, I'm about to go to Biola University of Talbot. Maybe I've, maybe I'm about to be out over my skis. I don't oh. know, but I've definitely been over my skis but in the past. That's true. Literally. Yeah. Literally. Yes. Cause you end up with a face plant in the snow. That's true. And that happened um, in 2003, the end of 2003, all the assets of, of Big Idea and VeggieTales were sold in a bankruptcy auction. And the new owners didn't offer me a job. They offered me a, a long distance consulting uh, arrangement. <laughs> and I could do some writing from a distance and I could give notes from a distance. But I have occasionally seen you tweet about that. And yes. Yes. So that's not that's still a distance. There's yes. still a distance. Uh, at this point, there is the distance has become infinite. <laughs> there is no way to express how far this distance no. actually. It's to infinity I, and beyond. Yes, I'm no longer asked to do anything with Veggie Tales, uh, and no one's really doing anything with Veggie Tales anymore because they don't know what to do. It's it's just hard to make money in in kids media these days for anyone. And then right. if you put the constraint of, and it's kind of religious. You know, that just shrinks the funding possibilities down even further. So there's not a whole lot happening with VeggieTales. I had to transition um, to puppets and did the What's in the Bible series as a way to, to walk kids through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Uh, but it had to be, you know, a tenth of the kind of budgets we had on VeggieTales. Yeah. So it was puppets with a mix of animation. And then after that, and that was like, that was when there were still Christian bookstores and still DVDs. So, I, I remember those days. I used to work at one of those places. So, yes, yeah. yes. So then, once all the Christian bookstores went away, and once DVDs went away, it's like, okay, now, <laughs> how, now, how do you do this? And it's you know through platforms like whether it's uh, Pure Flix or right now Media, or like yeah. who has who has a platform that wants something that I could make and might have positive cash flow. And in the Christian world, that's pretty pretty small. It's pretty small. It's slim pickings. Ed. Pickens at the moment. I know. So, yeah. I know. So I, I've but, been but making. Yes. What? You but. don't even remember that back in the day, I, I used to have a TV program and I had you on and we talked about Buck Denver and the Bible stuff and all this sort of stuff. Uh -huh. And one of the things I thought was interesting at that time is you you had a bit of a theological turn in what you wanted to do in your subsequent uh creations of you know mm -hmm. your animation your creation your your stuff tell, tell us a little bit about where the difference theologically would be from where veggie tales was 
to what's in the Bible, Book Denver, and things of that sort. Yeah, it was it was probably more, and it may have been more practical than you know, like my my personal theology didn't change, but I kind of looked back and realized and we're gonna we're gonna get to that in a minute. But go ahead. Yes, my personal <laughs> theology did not change, but I looked back and thought, yeah. you know, with Veggie Tales, did I just spend you know ten years trying to to persuade kids to behave Christianly without actually explaining to them Christianity? Right. Um, and that was the motivation for what's in the Bible. It's like, it doesn't do any good, you know, just to say, hey, kids, be forgiving because Bible says so. Um, you know, and some kids will, that will come easy to them and some kids that will come very hard to them and they'll feel bad about themselves. And I realized and, and unless I explain kind of the whole process of, you know, sanctification and the Holy Spirit and, and the life of Jesus, and not only why we do this, but how we do this, because it's not our own power that makes it possible. And unless I can explain all that, I think I'm doing kids a disservice by just telling them to, you know, straighten up and fly straight. Uh, so that, yeah, that's led to all the work I've done since then is really let's let's dive deep into the Bible. It's it's very easy in children's ministry to cherry pick the most exciting Bible stories, teach them to kids, and believe we've taught them the faith. And we haven't. We've we've given them a few snapshots, you know, out of a movie without letting them watch the whole movie and see the whole story. So that's what I've been trying to do since. And I love that. Okay, so uh, can you tell us about any projects you're doing? And we're going to get to Holy Post in just a minute, but yeah. uh, any projects you're doing in this space now? Give us some hints. Yeah, I've done a bunch with Right Now Media. Um, you know, if you if you subscribe to Right Now Media or have access to Who Right Now Media. Who doesn't subscribe to Right Now Media? Well, but, it's yeah. churches only. It's churches only. So oh, you, have to, you have to My be a church. church. Yeah, yeah, so th then you have access for free. Um, and I've done family devotionals. I've, I've done a bunch of stuff there, which has been fun. Um, I'm trying to figure out how to get back into real storytelling, you know, yeah. because it's 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 much less expensive to hold up a puppet and explain Philemon than it is, you know, <laughs> to tell a half an hour, 40 minutes exciting story. Yeah. But it's the exciting stories that engage kids' hearts yeah. much more readily than, than a pontificating puppet on a stick talking about, you know, a book of the Bible. So I'm hoping to be able to go back more into storytelling as the mm -hmm. economics are such a huge hurdle that I'm I'm trying to crack the economic nut first so that I can see if I can, you know, bring kids back into really good faith-filled storytelling. I like that. So when you look kind of today, you know, there's some more creative things that have come out, but they're on different platforms, um, yep. you know, I'm guessing, you know, The Chosen or, yep. or for that matter, you know, even the success of things like Jesus Revolution, uh, you know, different means of, I'm, I'm part of the He Gets Us stuff. You guys had a conversation about that on the podcast as well. No, we didn't. Uh, we loved uh, it. Yeah, you did have a conversation. I saw you mentioned it. You had a conversation I about know. it. I know we did. We were a little okay. critical. We were a little critical and, you know. My feelings are not hurt. I mean, that's yeah, part of that's a, life. Okay. So, okay. Um, but yeah, and we we could talk about that at some point. But uh, so all that being said, there are a lot of people trying different creative things. Is that, do you look at the state of creativity and say, this is better or is it too packaged and what? I mean, give us your thoughts about the current state of Christian communication and creativity. Very little works. And yeah. so a whole lot is being invested in the very little. <laughs> that Interesting. Way, that okay. Makes sense. So, yeah. so the first big successes in Christian movie making were the Kendrick brothers. Right. So then there was a lot of money thrown at chasing. You know, let's do things like the Kendrick brothers, and it was kind of discovered that well, the, and they did. You know, facing the giants and Fireproof and Courageous, and they, they had a quite a run uh, in the I don't know 2010s. Um, 
Um, but it was really unique about the storytelling style of the Kendrick brothers. And then the Irwin brothers came along and they started What's the deal with the brothers. Maybe you need, I don't know. I know. I know. That's why I can't make a good Christian movie is because I don't have a brother involved. <laughs> the Irwin brothers came along and they found sort of a different lane. Yeah. These lanes are extremely narrow. You know, the mm -hmm. Kendrick brothers is you tell a story that sets up a sermon, uh, sets up and confirms. Basically, you give them the sermon illustration and then you give them the sermon at the end. And yeah. that is appealing to a group of people that will show up every time. Can I just uh, say it was great when we worked at Lifeway because we could make all the curriculum that kind of flowed right out of that. Absolutely. So I, I, yep, yep. It was very each, curriculum oriented. Each movie is basically a small group Bible study before it true. gets written out as, as a movie. I mean, their outlines <laughs> would work as small group Bible studies. The Irwin brothers found success with, um, um, you know, what was their first movie that went big about the song? Remember that? Remember what yeah, the song? I can only imagine. I can only, I can imagine. only imagine. Yeah. yeah. I, I it's ironic that I have to tell you the creative things that, that, that happened, but whatever, whatever. I, I sometimes forget things, Ed, because I'm so much older than you. We um, are actually three months apart in age. I, right. I, I, we are very close in age. So, that's right. but yeah, same age. But our hair on top is not the same color. Well, I don't understand why. Yeah, well, this is this is all natural. So uh -huh. I can't. I, okay. I don't know what to tell yeah, you. Sure, you keep telling no, no. yourself that. No, no, no. Okay. It's all. It's all now. Trust me. You can fact check it. But yeah, and and the Irwin brothers found a really good lane about telling really inspiring stories that were infused with faith in a in a fairly organic way. Um, and that's working well, but those are all movies are the only place where you can still get a family to hand you money to hear a single story. Interesting. Okay. That, that doesn't work on TV. It doesn't work with on YouTube. It doesn't work anywhere else. So most kids are getting their media from YouTube. Now, YouTube is the number one uh, media discovery source for kids, not Nickelodeon, not the Disney Channel, not movies, not anything else, not ABC Saturday morning. Like when I was a kid, uh, it's YouTube. And the economics of YouTube, I don't know if you're familiar with them, but the economics of YouTube work for people who have uh, billions of views on their right. channels. Right. Then the economics of YouTube. For everyone else, it's, hey, I had a good video this week. I get to go to Starbucks and buy a coffee. Um, <laughs> so that just makes, so so the experimentation is being done primarily in crowdfunding. You know, uh, the Bible Project, uh, Angel Studios with The Chosen, Angel Studios with Wing Feather, Angel Studios with... Um, the, his son, his only son, the movie that came out a month ago where they crowdfunded the entire marketing budget after the movie had been made for, for pennies. So that's the model. It doesn't work well with kids stuff. Angel's trying with wing feather and we'll see if that works. That's the Andrew Peterson series of books that an old friend of mine has turned into an animated series. Um, there seems to be less motivation for, um, paying money for Christian content for kids. Than for Christian content for grownups, and that's yeah. frustrated me for about twenty years. Okay, so when you look at creatives creating things, creating yes. culture, shaping things, do you look at it and say this is we're still in a dearth of this, or we just not have funding models? In the, or in do the you Christian, think some good things? in the Christian, well, something, yeah, something interesting happened in the the music business, uh, the Christian music business, 
And, you know, when I was a kid, my parents were going to uh, Andre Crouch concerts and buying love song albums. Um, and then we got into second chapter of Acts. And then uh, then there was Hear the Dirt bells ringing. ringing. They're, they're singing that you can't be. I can <laughs> sing all. I can sing we're their the exact entire same library, age, baby. Exact same age. Feeling that. <laughs> yeah. So what was interesting is that we watched the life cycle of Christian music go right. from you know experimental outsiders like Larry Norman and Randy Stonehill with everyone else saying is this a thing can this work <laughs> to the adoption of of safer voices like right. Amy Grant and Michael W Smith that came from the middle of the country not from California and weren't hippies you oh, know that's interesting yeah, yeah definitely not a hippie this is yeah. safe so it was almost yeah. closer to southern gospel you know it was like she had her, she had her the, father's eyes too uh, uh, yeah, and and uh, his money, I believe. Um, so they're very wealthy family. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> they owned like the half the land that is now Brentwood, Tennessee. I have been. I have been to the lodge. I've been to the lodge I've out there. Been so. to the mountaintop. Um, <laughs> and then it was discovered that this was actually a business, and yeah. so much money came pouring in. Right. Once much money came pouring in. Christian kids in youth groups all across the country said, wait a minute, is that a thing you can actually pursue? And it's like you could even make a living doing that. So the uh, the talent pool exploded because the talent pool exploded. There was funding to get stuff made. There was a distribution system to get it distributed. Uh, Christian music matured very, very quickly. And suddenly you get to, you know, jars of clay and sixpence, none the richer. And you're putting out stuff that is fan, you know, quality wise is fantastic. Right. Um, that has not happened in movies because it's just too dang expensive. You know, it is it is so expensive to make a film that can hold up on 3,000 screens across the country and even right. more expensive to market a film that can hold up on 3,000 screens across the country as opposed to going into a studio in Franklin, Tennessee and cutting an album over right. a long weekend uh, that Christian filmmaking just has never had the opportunity to mature. And so you have these little pockets of success, these mini successes like the Kendrick brothers and the Irwin brothers who actually are able to build an audience, which usually involves building an email list so that you can tell your fans the new movie is coming. Um, but for kids just growing up, you can't look to a model where if I go to this place or call this company, I can get in the door and start a career. There aren't agents going out and looking for the next hot Christian filmmaker, like agents were looking for the next hot Christian singer, you know, all throughout the 90s and early 2000s. Sure. So it is very hard for Christian filmmaking to mature um, to a level where you could say, oh, I didn't even know that was made by Christian filmmakers. I thought it was just a good movie. I don't know how long it will take to get there or if we can ever get there. Interesting. I'm, I, you know, I'm making this move. We're recording this before I've made the move, but by the time this comes out, I'll be over at Biola and, of course, the the new Snyder School of Cinema Media Arts. Yeah, People yep. are talking about all this sort of stuff. And that's good. Is that's it good? good. It's, a, it's, a, it's a great facility. There still isn't a business model to give the graduates something to do. That's right. The, that's well, I, mean, there, I know I know 10 I know 10 different Christian colleges that have animation programs. Right. Which is wonderful. I mean they're learning animation. Where do they go when they graduate? Yeah, in Christian space though, not as much, but I mean there are the graduates there are finding jobs in secular space much yes. more so. Yes. And, that's, so that, and there seems to be. So being a good film school in LA 
it's there's good. opportunity that's there, but not it's good. in the Christian you space can, so much. You can work you, if, if your thought is, particularly if your parents in you know the Midwest, is like, if I send, he wants to be a filmmaker. If I send him to Biola, he'll learn how to be a filmmaker, and then he'll get hired by Christians to make Christian uh, movies. I gotcha. Yeah. That, yeah I, know, I know the, uh, the director of the film school. My peer is Tom Aline, and he made uh, Mad Men, Breaking Bad, and The Walking Dead. So I'm thinking he's not immediately going to the Christian film space. No, but, no and but you've got guys like Scott Derrickson who yeah. you know yeah. who went to Biola and then end up making Doctor Strange. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it, it, there isn't a good model, and I'm not sure what it would be for small scale Christian filmmaking right? Um, because small scale filmmaking goes to streaming companies is funded right. by streaming companies. And there is no Christian streaming company that is cash positive. So since okay. there's no cash positive Christian streaming company, if you go to a Christian streaming company and say, would you fund my movie? They will say, here's $7,000. Can you give us a 70 minute film? And <laughs> you can't. So so you're, it sounds that you're, you're concerned about, I mean, you love creatives. You want, because one of the questions I want to ask you is what should pastors and church leaders say to the creatives in their church so that there's not as much economic just, opportunity? Just make stuff. Say? It's make never stuff. been easier to make yeah. stuff. It doesn't mean you're going to make a living at it. Okay. So by like, you know, pastoring a small church, be bivocational. You know, do, do do what you need to do to have health insurance. Like when you go, you know, kids move to New York City all the time because they want to break into the arts and they work at Starbucks or they waitress or, or, you know, they they just have a job. And then or people write children's books all the time on the side. Very yeah. few people can make a living writing children's books. Maybe three in the world can write make a living writing children's books. It's not really an occupation, uh, except for Mo, what's his name, is just came out of nowhere and wrote a ton of hit children's books but there is no new dr seuss you know that celebrities make the, all the best-selling children's books that doesn't mean you can't write children's books it just means you can't do it and expect it to put you into a, a four-bedroom house in the suburbs so either you're living an artist's kind of semi-nomadic lifestyle or you're bivocational um and that's where you know hey i'm a podcast host and I write children's books and I make, you know, kind of Sunday school materials for some of the streaming platforms for whatever yeah. money they can afford. Yeah. Um, and on the side, I'm trying to figure out how to crack the bigger nut of getting back to narrative storytelling for kids with a faith worldview. In in all your spare time. So, so and it is a good question. So when someone says to you, walks up to Phil Vischer at the uh, at the restaurant. We, yes. we went to downtown Wheaton, had a nice restaurant, a nice, nice goodbye dinner as we all live in Wheaton, you know, and so I'm headed out. We, we but, cried, um, we hugged, we, we cried, cried we some more. It was, it was better than cats. We'll see it again and again. Um, and, then, so, and then Ed was lifted up into the clouds as we waved <laughs> to him. Exactly. So someone walked up to you at that at our restaurant and said, what do you do for a living? What would you answer? I don't know what to say anymore. Okay, I don't, I, I, I make stuff. You make I make, stuff. Okay. I make, I make podcasts so, and I make, make stuff podcasts. for kids. So let's talk about this turn to podcasting. So okay. um, you, of course, launched, it was originally a Phil Vischer show. You re renamed yeah. it to the Holy Post. Uh, you brought in uh, co-hosts. Um, and it's quite an enterprise now. I've been on it a couple of times. And it's I'm an enterprise. It is an enterprise. It is an enterprise. <laughs> um, so, and, and you know, this is not making, I mean, you have a huge audience, but you also irritate a lot of people. We're going to talk about yeah. why you do all of those things. Um, so, so what made you get into commentary 
a lot of times in and around Christian space. Talk about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a good question. Before I launched Veggie Tales, I actually went to David C. Cook Publishers and pitched them on the idea, because my mom worked there at the time, and pitched them on the idea of a show like David Letterman for Christian teens. No way. <laughs> yes. And it was for me and Mike Naraki. I would be the David Letterman and Mike Naraki would be my sidekick, the Paul Schaefer, the Ed McMahon, whatever. Because <laughs> so um, awesome. I was doing, you know, I was doing sketches in our church. I was just, I just loved being goofy. Right. And I also grew up on David Letterman. He was kind of my, you know, patron saint of sarcasm. And I thought, couldn't we make this Christian, this model Christian? And I thought, okay, uh, we'll, we'll put out VHS tapes with this David Letterman show for teenagers and i pitched that at david c cook and they said uh, teenagers don't buy vhs cassettes right <laughs> like okay that's dead yeah and their response was can you do something for children and i was like well yeah that's my ultimate goal but it's too expensive right. Right. and that's what led to trying to figure out veggie tales so i've actually had so this veggie tales is the children's thing but holy post is basically your attempt to do david letterman this is kind helpful of. to know kind okay. of uh, although you need top uh, 10 lists Although since then, I would say it's it was more Stephen Colbert would have been the model. Okay, you know, fair enough. Because the kids today don't even know who David Letterman is. Well, he's, I know, he's got that I know. show now that's coming back with the long I'm beard. Not, I'm not yeah. trying to sell him on on David Letterman. That's definitely okay. not in our pitch deck. Yeah, Ed. good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then fast forward post-veggies. And I am speaking more. I'm traveling to college campuses and speaking more. Sometimes we do Q&A on college campuses. And so I'm starting to get a feel for, you know, the, the kids that grew up on Veggie Tales. what are they wrestling with today? You know, what are the questions that are coming up? And I'm also, as I'm doing more kids stuff, uh, I'm driving, I have a little studio that's like 20 minutes from my house. As I drive back and forth, I listen to uh, NPR and I'm listening to how they're covering stories on NPR. And I'm having these little internal dialogues in my head of, wow, there's no, there's no real Christian angle to that story. If I was the guest on that, here's the angle I would want to bring to that. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just, I like to think like that. And finally, I said to myself one day, Ed, I said to myself, I wonder if anyone else would want to listen to the conversations I'm having with myself in my car. And, and so it appears they did. I, I pitched to some friends, what if we tried to do a talk show? Yeah. And so I, I, I had a studio space. Did so you I just, actually say the phrase talk show, not podcast? Yes. No, okay. talk okay. show. Talk okay. show. And and yeah. we shot four pilot episodes of a talk show with nice. a studio audience, with guests. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Uh, our first guest was Eric Metaxas. Oh, okay. We had who was other... a former VeggieTales writer. Yeah, who was a former VeggieTales writer. You guys still close today? He blocked me. Okay. Twitter. <laughs> um, we've become less close over time. 2016 was a bit of a watershed year that separated. That. It was a cleaving. There was some cleaving within the, the evangelical world. And and Mr. Metaxas and I were cloven. That's all oh, I can cool. say. That's okay, fair enough, fair enough. We were cloven. Is that the correct? Okay, so the first guest was Eric Metaxas. First guest was Eric Metaxas, and then a Christian comedian that was a friend of mine and a, and a local Christian filmmaker. And then, you know, I thought, okay, now let's shop this around. Like, who the heck do you shop that around to? So yeah. I said, hey, TBN, do you want a weird? Uh, and they said no. And and then I realized that, that was kind of it. 
Once TBN said yeah. no. <laughs> Wait, let's go to number two. No, there is no yeah. number yeah. two. But somebody I guess said NRB, NRB TV. So, you know, there's I that. Think I talked to them early on and they didn't yeah. have any money and didn't okay. know what they were doing. Uh, yeah. Maybe they do now. I don't know. I don't so know. anyway, I'm sitting there and somebody suggested, while, well, since we're going to have these people in to do these pilots, what if we at the same time started a podcast and we could interview them on the podcast, which is why Eric Metaxas is also, I think, guest number two on the podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. So that was 2012. We started wow. do doing a weekly podcast. Wow. Yeah, and it was the Phil Vischer podcast because the talk right. show was going to be the Phil Vischer show. Um, the Phil Vischer show never went anywhere. And the podcast didn't go anywhere for like four years. You know, it, for, for a while it was, hey, VeggieTales fans, Phil's doing a podcast. Sometimes he does VeggieTales voices on it. And he tries to <laughs> summarize each episode with a song at the end that he makes up on the spot, which sometimes goes horribly, but it's funny to listen to him fall apart. Um, and so we had you know, that podcast or the, the VeggieTales fan audience. And then we got to 2016 and Donald Trump. And we woke up the next morning going, what the heck just happened? Um, and, and started talking honestly about our concerns about 80% of white evangelicals supporting Donald Trump and what it did, what it meant for the church. Um, and about half of our audience said, hey, I think we're done. And but, but our audience started growing, you know, and then it exploded when I did a couple of videos on race during the George Floyd summer to try to explain, you know, just make a nice summary of racial history in North America. Um, and that led to uh, like the first one I made was watched seven million times and went viral all over the Internet. Um, and that led to a bunch of people coming to the podcast and saying, hey, the creator of VeggieTales is woke. This is fantastic. And then about two weeks later, a bunch of people coming and saying, hey, the creator of VeggieTales is woke. And I realized that word had gone from a compliment to a pejorative in about 14 days uh, in the middle of the summer of George Floyd. So we ended up building a pretty substantial audience of pastors, ministry leaders, um, and then young Christians who were, you know, I, I would say our target audience is the the kid who grew up in the evangelical church who's now standing at the back door of the church saying, give me just one good reason not to walk out. And, and are you and, giving them one good reason not to walk out? Are you? Yes. You and, are. I mean, yeah, let's talk and, some about that. Because, I mean, what's the, what are you, again, let me, let me quote. You know what, what the one good reason that, is? Maybe. Do you know what the one good reason is? Ed? What is it? You're not alone. Okay. So, because you originally did the video to, um, you know, quote, walk people through history without bashing anyone's political party or calling them names, unquote. So, uh, and the video really went everywhere. I mean, I, I probably had 10 people share it with me and I was like, mm -hmm. I saw it. And I was um, asking them too, would you share this t with Ed? And <laughs> would you also share this with Ed? I want him to think that this is really something. So, I, I, it was, it was, it was fascinating. And, and, you know, then of course it comes in waves. People like it and then people critique it. Then people want to correct it. And then people do this and it's fascinating mm -hmm. to watch, but it really helped frame a conversation for a lot of people all right so now um is your audience primarily disaffected or i don't know what the right term would be evangelicals uh what, no but what, I mean, what word will you use you must have had some conversation that this is our audience i'd say we have a we have a fairly substantial ex-evangelical following okay. but it's yep. not the majority 
Right. Um, and there are people who assume that, oh, I think these guys are exvangelical because they're willing to critique evangelicalism. Right, sure. <laughs> and, and can you do that from within without being cast out? And if you've been right. cast out, then aren't you exvangelical? Yeah, sure. And the reality is, no, you can critique from within. And we haven't been cast out. As far as we know, we're not sure who the official office of the casting is, <laughs> but but we're on good terms with Walter Kim and and Russell Moore. So we figure if they're still OK with us, we must be. At those least you some... don't know, Walt, Walter Kim is the head of the National Association of Evangelicals. For those who don't know. Yes. Russell Moore is the editor in chief. I've got exact title of Christianity Today. So those yes. those are those names. Yes. So, okay. so like if if they still like us and they're still willing to come on the show. Yeah. So we're really we're I, I feel like we're kind of trying to hold on to the evangelicalism of a John Stott, um, right. more of a thoughtful British, now semi-Anglican evangelicalism. You know, like right. half the professors at Wheaton College are Anglican now. It's just a, it's a really weird world we live in. That is in not and... actually true, but <laughs> it has some truth to it. <laughs> there is <laughs> some truth, truth in it. I actually yes. had one of my one of my amazing faculty. She's somebody's a god. And she converted to uh, because I go to Anglican church. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 no. We don't need more Anglicans. We need, need diversity. We need we need <laughs> ecumenical diversity. Um, oh, yeah. So you know, you can tell when, like, you know, if you're interviewing someone and they say evangelical instead of evangelical. Oh, there's truth to that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's it's, a thing. That's probably really Anglican. <laughs> yeah. No, that's really a thing. Okay. So so then. You're sort of it's not disaffected evangelicals, but you're you talk about that young evangelical watch vegetables on the back door of the church, yeah, trying to stay. So you would I say that you still have I, I don't want to put words in your mouth. Are you an evangelical? Do you use that word to describe yourself? That concludes the first part of our interview with Phil Vischer. Be sure to join us next week where Phil shares his thoughts on the current state of evangelicalism. You can learn more about Phil at philvisher.com. Be sure to check out his podcast, The Holy Post, at holypost.com. And thanks again for listening to the Stets of Church Leader podcast. You can find more interviews as well as other great content for ministry leaders at churchleaders.com slash podcast. And again, if you found our conversation today helpful, we'd love for you to take a few moments to leave us a review. That'll help other ministry leaders find us and benefit from our content. Thanks for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. You've been listening to the Stetzer Church Leaders podcast. For more great interviews, as well as articles, videos, and free resources, visit our website at churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.